that we refer to as Sunday School. As most of you who may watch this each week know, that's generally the way that I always introduce this. This is a Bible study. I pray by the Spirit of God that both you and I may learn together. Today, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or baptism with the Holy Spirit, born again, regenerated, quickened, made alive together with Christ. These are all terms identifying what occurs when human beings are baptized in the Holy Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit places us in Christ, united to Christ, and is in fact a type of resurrection. The pastor has said that often. I'd like to read to you from Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5 where so many believe this to be a reference to water baptism, and you may see some of that here. However, primarily, it's a reference to baptism with the Holy Spirit. Or do you not know that as many of us are as were baptized into Christ Jesus? Folks, you can't go into water baptism and be baptized into Christ Jesus. This is a spiritual thing. As many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. And again, you're speaking of spiritual things here. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, spiritually, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. Again, speaking of spiritual matters. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be of resurrection. Again, baptism of the Holy Spirit, a spiritual matter. Now, with those truths in mind, we may find that Christ's apostles may not have been born again while he was still on this earth. Now, that's a shocking, shocking statement that I never thought I would ever say, but follow with me today. Follow with me. Before you turn this off, after such a statement, hear what the Holy Scriptures have to say. We may both learn together. Now, this message will close. So you need to listen to the end. This message will close with a text that conclusively answers our inquiry. When were the apostles truly born again? And of course, we are speaking of those apostles before 
the Apostle Paul. And we're going to move now to a narrative from Acts chapters 1 and 2. Now, when I speak of a narrative, I'm talking about particulars, specific parts of accounts recorded in the Holy Scriptures. Now, the consideration here, of course, concerns the baptism of the Spirit. Now, as is my normal practice when I do a narrative, I ask you to listen. Please listen closely. And if you need to read the verses that I go over uh, later, I'll be telling you where I'm reading from. We're going to begin in Acts chapter 1. Please, please, please apply those listening ears as we begin here in the book of Acts. The former account, I think the King James says treatise, the former account I made, and this is Luke, for if you look over in Luke's gospel right away, you see that he's speaking to Theophilus. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, speaking of his ascension into heaven back to the Father. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles. He had given commandments to the apostles. This is going to be who we're centering on today, the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom, the apostles, he also presented himself alive after suffering many infallible proofs, excuse me, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them, critical to this message, being seen by him during 40 days. Christ was on the earth for 40 days with these apostles after his res resurrection. Another extremely important thing to consider. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he, Christ, commanded them. Now, who's the them? The apostles. Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which you have heard from me, says the Lord Jesus. For John truly baptized with water. But you, the apostles, shall be baptized. That's a future tense, folks. He's talking about, not right now, but down the road here. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And again, we're talking about 40 days. Now, moving on further in uh, Acts chapter 1. But you shall receive power. Listen. You, apostles, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, that's a future event. Not long, not long uh, away, but it's in the future. And you shall be future event. 
witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they, who? The apostles watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Moving on down now into chapter 1. When they, the apostles, returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem's, excuse me, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Again, the they, they're going to name them for you. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Philip and Thomas. Bartholomew and Matthew. James of Alphaeus. And Simon the Zealot. And Judas of James. These all continued. Who's these all? The apostles, with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now I'm moving to Acts chapter 2. Listen closely now. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is after the Christ had ascended into heaven. Now listen very closely to this context. I fear... Many people have misread this portion of Scripture. I know I did earlier in my Christian life. And they were all with one accord in one place. Now, who's the they? It's the apostles. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole whole house where they were sitting. Again, we're focused on the apostles, they were seated in this house. Then there appeared to them, there appeared to them, the apostles, divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them. These tongues sat upon the apostles and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Not everybody in the place, folks, but the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And with this, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. Now, we're talking about people other than the apostles. And were confused because everyone, that's this multitude, heard them, the apostles, speak in his own language. Languages of the multitude. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? He speaks of the apostles. And how do we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthenians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, 
visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them. Again, that's these people speaking from these multitudes. We hear them, the apostles, speaking in our own tongues. The wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others among that multitude, mocking, said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Listen up. For these are not drunk. These, these apostles are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is the third hour of the day. That's about 9 a.m., folks. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, the gospel age, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Pour out. A reference to immersing folks in the spirit. The baptism with the spirit. The baptism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Men of Israel, Peter goes on, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him, Jesus Christ being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Now moving down further into Acts chapter 2. Therefore, Peter goes on, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Folks, these apostles were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were empowered to do what they did that these multitudes saw. Now, Peter went on to, to preach to these folks and says this, For the promise is to you. For the promise is to you. This pouring out of the Spirit. This baptism of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. And it comes with a condition here. As many as the Lord our God will call. That's extremely important that we realize that. Then those who gladly received his word. Now those are the ones that God called. Now those who gladly received his word were baptized. Now that speaks of water baptism. After believing the gospel, 
through the power given in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added. And that chapter 2 closes with this. And the Lord, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Later on in the book of Acts, we see this, which describes those folks. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Acts 13, 48. And just how, folks, were these people being saved? We see this promise of the Father given through Christ clearly described in the letter to Titus. Paul's letter to Titus, chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Please listen. All this runs right together, folks. It's, it's, it's a chain coupled perfectly. For we ourselves were also once foolish, we Christians, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now, some of you may not want to admit that, but that was what, at the, what was at the core of our beings, though it may not have been manifested all the time. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. How were these people, back there in the book of Acts, being saved? Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The washing of regeneration Baptism with the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out this baptism of the Holy Spirit, he, whom he poured out on us abundantly. We're being immersed with the Spirit of God, immersed into the Spirit of God, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life, the expectation of eternal life. Folks, what we've just read, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, the washing of regeneration, being born again, identifying those of us united to God the Father and God the Son through the Holy Spirit, who comes to make us alive together spiritually with Christ, and this Holy Spirit who will indwell every true Christian. Forever. Forever. Now, I want us to track the promise of the Father found in the Holy Scriptures. Not exhaustively, 
briefly, briefly track the promise of the Father found in the Holy Scripture. Going back to Isaiah, chapter 44, verses 1, 2, and 3, God promises the following in these verses. And He promises it to the Israel of God. The Israel of God, spoken of in the book of Galatians, the church. Israel, whom I have chosen, says God, the elect, the Israel of God, thus says the Lord. Remember our study a while back where we learned so often when you see the word Lord, most often it's Jehovah. It's Jehovah here, even Jehovah Jesus. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb. I will help you. Jehovah Jesus says that. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants. Those descendants, folks, are the Christians from the true Israel of God. Those coming after these people in Isaiah in the New Testament age. Now, regrouping a bit with these verses. To the elect, says Jehovah Jesus, who made them. John chapter 1, verse 3. For without Christ, nothing was made that was made. Now, that's pretty clear. Uh, to the elect, says Jehovah Jesus, who made them, I will help you. That help, folks, comes as the Father pours out the Spirit of Christ by Christ through Christ, bringing about the new birth where God's elect are born again. This New birth, whereby the newborn cry out, Abba, Father. You'll find that expressly recorded in Galatians 4.6. When God the Father sends the Spirit of Christ into the hearts of God's elect, whereby they cry, Abba, Father. The help Christ gives, as we can clearly see, is regeneration. Being born again by the pouring out of the Holy Spirit into our hearts, which immerses us in the Holy Spirit, as John the Baptist testified of Jesus Christ. But he, coming after me, will baptize you in Holy Spirit. The word thee is not in the text. I love that. Because it speaks of the essence of the Spirit of God. God the Father has a Spirit. God the Son has a Spirit. The Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're one. I don't understand that, but it's clearly, clearly taught in the Scriptures. And I do believe it wholeheartedly by the grace of God. As John the Baptist said, the one coming after me will baptize you in with Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.11.
Now, I'd like to present another narrative from the words of Jesus Christ himself recorded in John's Gospel. Now, this narrative is going to be focusing on, let's look at these apostles and tell me if you see things that may make you question whether or not they were yet born again. Folks, this is eye-opening. You need to hear this. If you reject it, well, I, I hope not. <laughs> but, listen, by the Spirit of God, I pray that we will all see this as it's meant to be. John chapter 14, and I'm beginning at verse 3, Christ speaking to his apostles. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Thomas said to him, one of the apostles, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Was Thomas yet born again? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ goes on speaking to Thomas. If you would, excuse me, if you had known me. Now, folks, that's troubling to me. It, he says this to an apostle who has been with him from the beginning. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, what is Christ saying there? He's saying you've seen him by sight. You have known him and seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. <laughs> Folks, that troubles me. After what Christ just said. Show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Philip. So now, he's speaking to Philip. We had Thomas, we have Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Two of the apostles. Folks, I, I've got some serious questions about that. Questions at least. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Believe them by what you're seeing. Now moving on down further in John 14. And I would ask you to remember Isaiah 44 that we looked at when Christ says this. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, as the King James says, but a number of the real good translations use the word helper. And if you look it up, you'll see that it's someone who comes in aid of another. 
The New King James uses the word helper. So that's what I'm going to use here. Uh, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Remember Christ said, I will help you. The spirit of truth. This is that one, that helper, that Christ will pray the Father and the Father will send and he'll give it through Christ. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. Now listen, here's the key to that verse. And will be in you. You can look this up, folks, if you know how to deal with the Greek lexicon and words. That's a future tense. He's not saying you know, excuse me, he's in you now. He's saying he will be in you. Now, that's just the, the, the hard and cold facts of the truth. That's just the language. You can't change that. I can't change that. I can't interpret that a different way. He's saying in the future, the Spirit will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I come to you. Now, folks, that also is going to happen later. How is Christ going to come to him? In the person of the Holy Spirit. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Will live is future tense, folks. Because I live, you will live, future tense, also. At that day. You see, he's not talking about today to them at that point in time. At that day, you will know, future tense, that I am in the, my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, folks, when, when will that be? When will that be? He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, moving down further. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Are you listening? But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, future tense, in my name, he will teach you all things, future tense, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me. Now, folks, that bothers me. That bothers me. Christ says to them, to the apostles, if you loved me, you would rejoice. Folks, can you find any evidence of them rejoicing in this period of time? I, I can't. Maybe you can. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes. Something's coming in the future. That when it comes to pass, you may believe. What does he say? When it comes to pass, you may believe. Now, moving on into chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, 
the Holy Spirit, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he, the Holy Spirit, will testify of me. Future tense. And you will also bear witness in the future, because you have been with me from the beginning. Moving down further, now we're going to go into chapter 16 of John's Gospel. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Future event. I still have many things to, to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, a future event, he will guide you, future, into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Again, speaking of future events. Then Christ says this, and this troubles me. After everything the Lord Jesus Christ has said, he says, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is, and what does Christ's father with, a father with that after he says that to them? Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. You will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. Now we move to John chapter 17. The Christ praying, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh. Authority over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Later in the prayer, he says this, Holy Father, keep through those, excuse me, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me. This is overwhelming criti overwhelmingly critical, folks, right here. Something we need to understand. Before the Lord God birthed you again from above, was he keeping you? If you're one of the elect? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was keeping you from committing the unpardonable sin, for sure. But yes, you've been kept by God for all eternity. The elect of God. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me. Though they may not yet have been born again at this point in time, and I know a lot of people will rebut that. He still is keeping them. He's not going to allow them to fall away. While I was with them in the word, I kept them in your name. As long as Christ was around, 
He was keeping them. You've heard the things he just said to him, to them, excuse me. Yet he was still keeping them for what was going to happen in the future. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And then Christ says this in verse 15 of John 17 to his father. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. And yes, folks, I don't believe these apostles were yet born again at this point in time. But the Lord God would keep them from the evil. And do you remember what we said the evil spoke of there in John's letter? The evil of committing the sin unto death. The evil of committing the sin unto death. Now, at this time, I want to go over very briefly. Uh, I want to cover some events that occurred after Christ finished his prayer to his Father. Now, listen up. This is another sort of running narrative here, very brief. Christ and his disciples, after this prayer, would go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Judas Iscariot would betray Christ into the custody of a large group of men made up of chief priests, scribes, elders, and servants of those people, many of whom were carrying clubs and swords. As they led Christ away, Mark 14.30 says this. This is the Holy Scriptures, folks. Then they all forsook him and fled. Now, folks, I don't know, but that doesn't sound like a born-again believer. Forsaking Christ and leaving him. Very shortly after that, we know the Apostle Peter would deny Christ three times. Christ would have, was eventually crucified and died on the cross for the sins of God's elect. That death and Christ's perfect life satisfied God the Father, satisfied God the Father in God the Father's eternal purpose to have a people created in His image, even the image of Christ. Therefore, Christ was raised from the dead and lives forever to make intercession for God's saints. After Christ was raised, he appeared to Mary Magdalene and actually certain other women. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, but you read in other accounts there were other women who then, after Mary saw him, saw, them, saw him as well. She ran to tell the apostles that he was raised from the dead. Both Mark and Luke give the initial reaction of the apostles. Are you listening to this? Mary Magdalene runs and says Christ is not in the grave. He's no longer there. That he was raised from the dead. Both Mark and Luke again say this. Of the apostles. They did not believe. Look in Mark 16.11 and Luke 24.11. The apostles did not believe. Folks, you have to believe in the resurrection of Christ. To be saved. 
At that point, they did not believe. Now, I want to return very briefly again for another narrative from John's gospel, a little further on into John. John chapter 20. Listen up. We're coming down close to the end now. And this occurs, again, after Christ was crucified. Then the same day at evening, actually after he had been raised from the dead, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled. These apostles, these disciples were assembled together for fear of the Jews. Jesus came. Jesus came. Those they did not believe who had been raised from the dead. Christ raised from the dead. Now, I must say that uh, at this time when he's coming to them, Peter and John had gone to the tomb and saw that he wasn't there. And then we had the two men on the road to Emmaus that also did. But the rest did not. He comes in to where they were gathered and he says to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you out there are going to say, Oh, there it is. Bing. They've been born again. Do you remember earlier when he sent them out to cast demons by the Spirit of God? Folks, I don't believe they were regenerated at that point. But they received that power from God to do that. And they did that. Because Christ was keeping them. Because Christ was keeping them. Again, also remember back when we say at this point in time, this is the first day of 40, that Christ would still be with them. So he empowers them. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I see here almost a repeat, just in a different way, of when they were empowered to cast out demons. Now Thomas, upon hearing this, Thomas, no, he hadn't heard it yet. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen, we have eyeballed the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know, that's a pretty large profession there, isn't it not? I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Now, over that eight-day period, you think Thomas was born again? He's one of the apostles. Well, he said, I do not believe. I will not believe till I see him. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, 
peace to you, to the group. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. And folks, we move to closing. And you, if you haven't listened yet, please, please listen up. After that account happened, after that account happened, what we just read, Christ still pressed Peter three different times by questioning him whether or not he loved the Lord Jesus. And three times Christ commanded Peter to tend and teach God's sheep. Christ also rebuked Peter again when Peter showed inordinate concern about where John would be after that point in time. Christ said to Peter, What is that to you? You follow me. Now remember, Christ is still with them. Christ is empowering them as he did prior to his death, burial, and resurrection. <clears throat> Here is that verse, that text I told you I would bring at the end to put the nail right in, folks. Right before Christ was crucified, he said this to Peter. Did you hear me? Right before he was crucified, he said this to Peter. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. He says that twice. He's getting Simon's attention. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan has desired you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Christ empowering him at that point in time. And when you are converted, are you with me, folks? And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Now, I know people have gone, again, through 100,000 hoops to explain what that meant at that point in time. Why are you saying to, to Peter... About, what are you talking to him about conversion? You mean he's not already converted? Well, that's what, what does he say? And when you are converted. Now, the word converted. What does it mean? You can look it up in Strong's. It's even better if you had a, 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 some more Greek lexicons to do comparisons. But the word converted means to turn. <clears throat> to turn in an immediate and decisive change. Folks, that's what's, <laughs> that is what happens to you when you're born again. 
when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. There is an immediate and decisive change. Now, I suggest to you, he would be born again, as would also the other apostles. The record is clear, folks. We've already read it. The record, the record is clear. Peter and the other apostles. Now, remember what, what Christ said to Peter there. When you're converted, strengthen your brethren. The record's clear. Peter was converted at Pentecost and demonstrated strengthening the brethren as he preached Christ. The record is clear. Amen.